Good morning. We're grateful that you're here this morning to be with us. If you have your Bible, your copy of God's Word with you, you can be turning to the 12th chapter of Luke. Luke chapter 12, and we'll meet there in just a moment. We're grateful that you're here this morning. appreciate that good singing of the 23rd Psalm. I appreciate it even more because Carl had told me he was going to lead Ready to Suffer before the lesson. So uh, some of you heard the preacher stories about the preacher and the song leader going back and forth. He messaged me earlier in the week and he said, well, what's your sermon for Sunday morning? I said, Carl, it's a little early in the week. I don't know for sure about Sunday morning. I had one for Sunday night picked out. So I said, have at it with whatever you want. So he said, well, I'll show him. But he didn't lead Ready to Suffer. So we appreciate the good singing this morning. And for your attendance here, we are uh, missing several uh, who are traveling various places. I know that... Um, Bill and Sylvia would certainly appreciate your prayers as well as they uh, will be traveling back. I believe they're slated to land around 11 or 11.30 tonight back in Chattanooga here. So they've got a long day of travel ahead of them and many others are out and about. And we certainly want to ask that you be careful even today leaving and traveling in this uh, nasty weather. But we're thankful that you've come to be back with us or be with us this morning. We hope that you can be back with us this evening as well as we conclude the year uh, with a, a lesson tonight on the idea of do I have to do it uh, and you see if you've got your bulletin there we're going to list some things that maybe we have to do the Bible says and some things that we don't actually have to do and of course some of those in that category will be things that we should do even though we may not have to uh, and as was said a moment ago appreciate Heath mentioning it for us but uh, don't come on Wednesday night we hope that you can be back with us on Thursday I hope our crowds will start increasing again then as everybody will kind of be returning home and getting ready uh, for a new year and and uh, getting back to work, but we had a really good night Wednesday night. Several folks commented on, or Thursday night, several folks commented on their way out that they really enjoyed a, a kind of a different time of prayer and song and scripture reading. And so we'll aim to do something similar. No classes um, outside of the auditorium here. We'll just all meet in here and have a few moments of praise together. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be with Jesus? I ask you to imagine things a lot of times, and maybe you like to do that, maybe you don't. Uh, I enjoy movies a lot. Of course, many movies in our world today are not able to be viewed by Christians because of the things that are in them, but I've always enjoyed a good movie because I can get in a dark movie theater, and I, I mean, I'm in the movie, you know, and you, you picture yourself being a part of that, or whether it's a love story, or, or whether it's a tragic scene or something, you can kind of just picture being there, and you really get into the, the moment, and so maybe you're like me and you enjoy that. And can you imagine what it would have been like then to have been with Jesus? And not just maybe in the outer crowd, but, but in the inner crowd, traveling around from, from day to day. Um, you know, I think many of us have this idea that, of course, while he was God on earth, uh, in a sense that, that uh, maybe he never had to eat or he never had to sleep or anything, you know, what did their day look like? But, of course, he was a man here traveling around, and there were people who were traveling around with him. So maybe you can imagine to be, or imagine what it would have been like to be with him. Maybe you can imagine what it would have been like to be with him through different moments of the day. Uh, we've mentioned this several times already, but we're looking at Luke right now with our young folks for Lads to Leaders. And it's very interesting to consider a day in the life of Jesus. I've considered preaching that maybe when we talk about Luke in a couple of months. But, but we talk, we go through this, and we tell our young people, you know, imagine. I mean, it talks about the crowds pressing around him. It talks about one person touching him, another person talking to him. And 
even his family trying to get in to him. So it must have been somewhat like a, a mob scene. I mean, probably the closest we come in our world, and it's not really a good comparison, but of course is the idea of, of famous people or movie stars and the cameras and the paparazzi and people trying to get to them. But, but I, I can imagine that it was probably pretty interesting uh, to consider what was taking place. And so as we come to Luke chapter 12, uh, here, as we begin in verse number 13, we're going to read this in just a moment. But here we seemingly have a spat between two brothers that is brought to Jesus. Now, if we're on the inner circle, we're kind of filtering things out. You know, we're kind of saying, well, you're not important enough, or that's not a big enough problem. You need to go your way because he's got other things to be doing. But here we have a, a spat, if you will. Between two brothers that is brought to him and verse number 13, one from the crowd. Does he shout? Does he wave his hands? Does he push his way to the front? We don't know. But one from the crowd says to him, talk to my brother. I mean, we even have a, we even get one of those that we've all experienced if you've got siblings and maybe even if you were in school and you had friends, but we even get one of those, hey, would you tell him? I mean, would you talk to him and get him straight? Because he's got problems and he's given me problems. And so Jesus kind of even has to deal with these two brothers. What I'm saying, hey, talk to my brother for me, please. Would you get in the middle of this and help settle this problem for us? But what happens here after Jesus has this interaction is we get a parable. And I have never necessarily heard this parable used this way, but I was, as I was considering it this week, I thought, you know, it's a great parable for us to consider. And even in a sense, a, a parable for a new year, maybe. I mean, we talked about it last week. We talked about the idea of compartmentalization and, and how God fits into our lives, that he shouldn't just be a compartment that we pull him out of on Sunday, and, and really he shouldn't be a compartment that we pull out of just on Wednesday or just on Sunday, but he has to be the center and fill all of our lives. And so as we kind of begin to contemplate things, that's a good thought, that as we face a new year, we make God the center of our lives. And we talk about how we lead into this new year, some of the things we're considering. And when you think about what is said here in this parable, it really is a pretty good parable for a new year. It's found in Luke chapter 12, in verses 13 through 21. We often call it the parable of the rich fool. And if you're following along, let's read together, or you can listen in, and let's read it very quickly, and then we'll break it down. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself. And is not rich toward God. 
Now again, as we have done with our young people, if you read this and you're reading through Luke as we've done, we kind of take it a chapter at a time, we read a chapter, we study the questions they give us to study, and as you're reading this, if you're careful, you're, not, you're just kind of pass right over, you don't think anything about it. There's a couple verses in there you've heard before, eat, drink, be merry, the world knows that. Many of us have studied before about the idea that the, our life does not consist in the abundance of things which we possess. What can we really learn from that, especially as we consider maybe a new year and making some changes, trying to be better as we always should, but, but we're kind of foolish if we don't admit that all of us, maybe even just a little bit, maybe if we don't list 12 different New Year's resolutions, but just a little bit, we kind of look towards next week and think about, or the rest of this week and the next year and think about, well, what can I do differently? How can I be better? So this morning we want to look very quickly at three things that we can learn from this parable. First of all, it is a parable of possessions. <coughs> Pardon me. Verses 13 through 15. As we begin to read about these things, we think that it's a parable about possessions. Now, not having possessions, or not that having possessions is wrong. We're going to touch on this as we did just a little bit last week. But, but Jesus, I don't think, is saying that having possessions is wrong. But maybe part of the problem that we come into when we consider our possessions, the stuff we have, is we fail to remember where they came from. Do you remember James chapter 1 and verse number 17? James 1 17, James talks about that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Maybe it's not that we have things that's wrong, and I don't think it is. We all have things, but remembering where they came from. If you've got your Bible, look in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verses 6 through 10. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verses 6 through 10. Do you remember Paul's encouragement here to Timothy? Almost again, a bit of a New Year's resolution as we kind of coin that term and use it in that way. Paul's not saying it as a new thing or a new year thing. But he says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. And then verse 10, again, one we all know, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. If we're not careful, we live life in the way, the opposite way of what Jesus said there before he begins this parable there in Luke chapter 12. But we live life in such a way that our life does consist in the abundance of the things in which we possess. Now, many of us would say, well, wait a minute, I don't have an abundance. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of things. And no, many of us may not. Many of us may lead what some would consider to be modest lifestyles. We have cars, and maybe you have a pool, maybe you don't. Maybe you've got boat, maybe you don't. It doesn't really matter, but I don't have an abundance of things. I'm not a rich fool. But may we consider this morning the idea of maybe it's not just the abundance of our possessions, but also not in the quality of the things that we possess. We sometimes focus on our children, and we kind of bombard them with this idea of, of don't care about name brands, don't care about the greatest and the best, and all these things. It doesn't really matter. But yet as adults, on the other hand, we live life in such a way that we're concerned about those things. 
Not even just the abundance, but sometimes the quality of the things or maybe the name brand of the possessions that we have. As we consider a new year, may we consider the idea of possessions. You know, the Bible lists some possessions we should have. I I thought of three that are well known to us from the Proverbs. Number one, the possessions we should have, the truth. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 23. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. So I guess you can get four out of that one verse. But the possessions that we should have, one of them should be the truth. That we would buy the truth and do not sell it. Proverbs 23, 23. What about secondly, a good name? Again, Proverbs 22 and verse number 1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. So not only the truth should we possess, but a good name. And then thirdly, just for our purposes this morning, what about true friends? Proverbs chapter 18 And verse number 24, a man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The truth, a good name, true friends, these are the things that we should be after possessing in our life. There's nothing wrong with the things that are in our house or around our house, the things that we sometimes have, but may we remember From the words of Jesus there in Luke chapter 12, that our life does not consist in the abundance of the things which we possess, our possessions, our stuff, but maybe the true possessions that we should have. As we consider a new year, the the year that God be willing lies in front of us, how are you doing with your possessions? And maybe the better question is, how are you doing with your possessions that really matter to God? The ones that God says really matter, that you, that you have to have, that you really need in order to live a faithful life. How are you doing with those? You know, back in Luke chapter 12, at the very end of this section, Jesus asks a sobering question about possessions. When he's kind of capping, recapping here what happens to this rich fool, he says, Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Our stuff, where does it go? Well, as we have even experienced in our own family this year, somebody's got to deal with it. With the death of both of Hannah's grandparents on her dad's side, we've, we've had to help and we've had to see him and, and others go through. What are we going to do with all this stuff? Well, some of it's important. Some of it meant something to the family, and so we keep it and we hold on to it to treasure our loved ones that we lost. But, but some of it's just stuff. Our possessions will eventually and, of course, finally be worthless to us. So what about our possessions? Secondly, this is a parable about plans. If you've got uh, your Bible there to Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 19, a parable of plans, verses 16 through 19, I ask you again, is it wrong to make plans? Well, we know that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So this is a great question as we start our new year. Is it okay to make plans? Because again, I believe that all of us, maybe we don't list them, maybe we don't talk about them with others, but but almost all of us will make maybe just a few things in our mind, if we don't put it down on paper, in our mind that we say, I'd like to do better. I'd like to be better. 
whether it's finances, whether it's our health, whether it's something in between, we, we kind of make plans for the new year. So is that wrong? Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. James talks about that we, we don't know what tomorrow holds, and it's, it's going to be folly for us if we worry about those kinds of things. But you may remember as well in Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6 and verses 6 through 11, we read about someone who makes plans. The Proverbs writer says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which, having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Is it wrong to make plans? We see here a man who is making or considering making these plans and we know what his end is. He doesn't get an extra month or an extra week or even an extra day for his life is required of him in that moment or in that very night. So is it wrong to make plans? We've got two verses here that conflict if we kind of think about it. But when we really think about it and consider what the Bible has to say, there is a problem when we make plans and we worry about those things. There's, I think, the Bible says, nothing wrong with making plans. Because actually a Christian would be wise to make plans. Our elders are wise when they make plans and consider a new year and the budget and what things are taking place around this congregation. A Christian would be wise to say, here's how I want to be better in the new year. Here's how I want to be better in becoming stronger and having more knowledge when it comes to the word of God. We must make the proper plans that include God as we face a new year of life. Paul talks about it as well, if you've got your Bible, in Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. Philippians 3, 12 through 13. Notice what Paul says here. He says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. When I think about what I kind of think Paul is getting at here, he, he's talking about, of course, the goal of heaven, the ultimate prize. But I think he's displaying an attitude for us that we can take as we consider a parable even about plans. I'm not there yet. Paul says many times, I'm not there yet. I don't have it all figured out. I have to continue to make plans in order to try to be who I want to be. I continue planning to try to get there. Now, it's this balance that we, we Christians sometimes struggle with, thinking that we are good enough and thinking that we're not good enough. We preached at least one lesson last year on this idea, of course, of walking in the light, the confidence that we have. Christians should walk around with their chest puffed out thinking that there's a home in heaven reserved no matter what. But Christians also shouldn't walk around with their head down saying, well, I just don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know. Being worried every day. So what's the balance? It's kind of the balance that we have to take when it comes to our plans. I'm not there yet. I'm going to keep planning. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep trying to get there. 
You see, this rich fool here was making plans. As we consider a new year and we think about making plans, many of us are doing that. And I think that's a great thing. We cannot be like this rich fool and that we think we've got it all figured out that we're going to keep it all for ourselves. And there's other lessons that we could get into this morning if we had time. But think about it. Are you making plans? Actually, I hope that you are. But as we said just a few moments ago with our possessions, not only will our possessions eventually and finally be worthless to us, but one day our plans will eventually and finally be worthless to us. Third and finally this morning, this is a parable of provisions. Verses 20 through 21 of Luke chapter 12. I'll read them again or you can follow along if you're there. But to to really consider what's being discussed here, a parable of provisions. But God said to him, to the rich fool, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So one final time. Is it wrong to make provisions? I think making provisions, we could sum it up. I don't know that it's the dictionary definition exactly, but to be prepared. We talk about making provisions for things, right? It's the uh, milk and bread thing around here when that S word is talking about coming from the weathermen, right? We make provisions for our families and the shelves are empty uh, because everybody's going to have milk and bread sandwiches when the snow comes, right? That's the idea. We make preparations. We make provisions for our family, for ourselves. We are prepared. So is making provisions wrong? I would think not. I would hope that if we really were going to have a, a bad snow or ice storm, that we would all make provisions to have adequate food in case we are stranded for a while. And that's just one situation there. Even things like tonight, where it may storm a little bit, that we make provisions that our family is protected if at all possible but of course this is not the only place that Jesus talks about it Matthew chapter 6 and verses 19 through 21 is the more famous section in the Sermon on the Mount as we think about provisions Jesus really talks about it in term of treasure Matthew 6 and verse 19 do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But, on the other hand, lay up for yourselves, make provisions, treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your provisions are, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Sometimes the sermon can kind of lay themselves out. Very simply, where is your treasure? Where is your heart? You know, God views our lives in terms of spiritual increase, not physical increase. And maybe that's the most important thing we should consider as we roll into a new year. It's important that we consider our finances, that we take care of our families and ourselves. It's important that we consider our health, that we do all we can maybe to lose some weight or to eat better or to take care of ourselves. It's important that we do other things physically But God views our lives in terms of spiritual increase and not just physical increase. So with that in mind, what kind of provisions are we making? Remember from last week, we talked about another rich person from Matthew chapter 19, the rich young ruler we call him. Not the rich fool, but the rich young ruler in Matthew 19. What did Jesus tell him? Go and sell all that you have. Go and sell what you have and come follow me 
the spiritual life, the spiritual increase above the physical increase. So I ask you again, as we said earlier, is it wrong to have possessions? I don't think that's what Jesus is saying, but he's asking, where are your priorities? You see, that's the question here of the means of provisions. That's the question in Matthew chapter 6 and 19 through 21 about treasure. Where are your priorities? Again, as we've said with each of our main points, at the end of this parable, Jesus makes it pretty plain and clear in verse number 21. Either a man is for himself or he is for God. Jesus says it that way when he tells the people there, so is he who lays up treasure, there's that word again, for himself and is not rich toward God. We say it quite often, it's got to be one or the other can't be both it can't be neither you can't ask for more time when the day of judgment comes you can't continue to delay you can't go backwards in time and try to fix everything that you had a chance to do back in time it's going to be one or the other are you rich toward yourself or rich toward God so one final time here as we've looked at all three of our points how are you doing with your provisions possessions and plans A parable of possessions and plans. Possessions and plans will ultimately and finally be worthless to us. What will matter is the provisions that we've made for eternity. It's that simple. I mean, look, we're coming off a week ourselves, all right, with family and thinking about all the good things of this life and giving gifts and being together and enjoying time and possessions and making plans and thinking. We've done that too this week. That's great. But what will ultimately matter is the provisions that we have made for eternity. The end of the year, a chance at a fresh start. Our possessions, which are not wrong. Our plans, which are not wrong. And I hope that you're making plans to think about the new year. But most importantly, our provisions. What are we doing with them? Think about the rich fool. Think about the the mistake or mistakes that he made. How can we avoid them? Well, one thing we can do is consider this parable and consider these things even as jesus said what we can do is make provisions for laying up our treasure in heaven for being rich toward god i hope that you're taking care of your finances i think the bible has things to say about being smart financially but are you being rich toward god and of course as we are about to extend the lord's invitation what will you do with the opportunity before you in this new year god be willing that we can go through together What will your focus be? It can begin this morning by becoming a Christian, obeying God's simple plan of salvation, being baptized for the remission of your sins so that he can add you to his church and you can begin to be rich toward God and live faithfully. But while that is the most important decision, for those in the room who are Christians, we have to continue to live faithfully. And sometimes we wander away from that. The things of the year, the things of life get us down, and we wander away. You can come back to him through confession, repentance, and prayer. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. You don't have to worry about eternity. You can be faithful, but maybe you need to come back to him. We have a great congregation here, a great group of people who want to encourage you to do the right thing, if you need to, even now, as we stand together and as we sing.